Well, praise the Lord. So get your Bibles out this morning. And go, if you would, to the book of Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at the Christmas story. I got so much to preach this morning, but I know y'all are all thinking about Christmas. Y'all are just believing God this morning to reduce the calories and what you're planning on eating this week. Believe in God for the miracle. But I don't blame you. I kind of am too. Luke chapter 2. Praise the Lord. I'm in some technical difficulties up here. Come on, internet. Well, we may have to resort to glasses. The only reason why I use the iPad is because I can blow it up big enough I can see it. <laughs> All right, now we're going. Here we go. I'm reading Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were the same... There were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you in this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was to the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. So it was that when the angel had gone from them into, the he into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. Now, I want you, you know, we read the story and we look over it and we, oh, isn't that sweet? And we, you know, have all this stuff. But let's look at something here. Because just, I want you to put yourself, if you can, in that place. That you're a shepherd. Now, see, I love it that God showed up to country people, right? And so he shows up out there to the shepherds. They're all out there taking care of their flock. And then all of a sudden, nobody's expecting it. The shepherds aren't saying, you know, tonight just feels special. The shepherds weren't priests. They weren't studying the scriptures to know and say, I think it's just about time. I think it's just about time. God's about to do something. God's about to do something. No, they were shepherds. They were taking care of the sheep. They're trying to keep wolves or anything or people from taking, killing, stealing their sheep. That's all they're doing. They're watching over their herd. And they're just out there, you know, 
And, and again, I don't know. I don't want to put words into the mouth of the shepherds, but I just think that shepherds sitting out around a campfire probably weren't maybe even having the best conversation. Hello? So what I'm saying is these people weren't out there worshiping. They didn't have the band going. They didn't have the worship music going. They weren't playing you know, their CDs and worshiping God. They didn't have nothing going on. They weren't, they weren't seeking God, but all of a sudden God showed up to them. Why them? You ever think about that? Why them? Why not the, why not the Levitical priest? Why didn't they break forth in the temple? Why didn't the angels show up? You know, at, 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 at the, the wealthy people's party that was going on or whatever was taking place. Why did, why did God not, you know, show, why didn't they show up at the biggest shindig in town? Shout out to some lonely shepherds out in the field. And I say it's just because they were attentive. That's it. They just were there. They're not doing anything else. They're not going to get distracted by anything else. And then all of a sudden, boom, the heavens open up. Angels flying around everywhere. I mean, look what it says here. It says that they were literally, it says the angels, it says they stood before them, the Lord shone around about them. So the, the Lord shone, the, the glory of God pops in in like a bright light shining. And it says, the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy for there is born in this day the city of David. They, they announce this. You'll find a babe. They give him instruction. And then the angels, a multitude. How many is a multitude? I mean, it's a bunch, right? More than a flock. Right? A multitude of angels. And heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God. So they erupt, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill towards us. They're flying around everywhere. Now you're just shepherds standing there holding your shepherd's crook just going, right? This supernatural event takes place on earth. Now just look at this. These angels didn't have to travel. And they didn't say we've been traveling for years and years and years to get here. It was instantaneous instantaneously, it happened. See, heaven's not that far away. The supernatural's not that far away from the natural. It broke forth in just a minute. They just bursted forth, but they, the, the, the shepherds could see them all, a multitude of angels. Wasn't one or two. Wasn't a flicker. Wasn't somebody thinking, I wonder what that is. I mean, it was a whole bunch of them, Right? And this great event, this supernatural event takes place on earth, but it took place to some simple people who were just out there and made themselves available in the sense that they were just in touch with the nature. All right? God chose the simple things to bless the world. Hello? Sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, if God's going to do something, he's going to speak to the great, you know, great prophet or the great priest. or whatever. Well, he went and spoke to the simple people, the simple country folks. Now, this event took place, and this supernatural event just burst forth on the earth in a second, in a moment, in just a flash. <laughs> happens. But I want to show you this morning how much preparation had been already taking place before this day happened. All right? So let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. 
Go to Genesis chapter 3, the story of the garden. Now here's God, he's created this perfect garden. He's put Adam and Eve in there. He said, look, here's your garden. I'm going to come down there every day in the cool of the evening. God came and walked around with them, fellowshiped with them, talked to them. Man, they had a great time with God Almighty walking around. And then he said, look, I just want you to do this. Just one thing don't do. Don't mess with that tree over there. You can do anything else you want to do. Just leave that tree alone. And so then one day we see here. Chapter 3, it says, The serpent is more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall uh, not eat of every tree of the garden? So he's taking a partial truth. He's taking a half truth. He's not, he's, God said one tree, but the devils has turned around to here and saying every tree. And the woman said, Oh, no, no, I caught you in that one. You may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said you should not eat of it. So she corrects him. Then the serpent said, Oh, you should surely not die, for God knows that the day you eat it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, the tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and she ate. She gave God to her, she also gave to her husband, and he ate, and the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. I've always said in that story that that just shows you how absolutely brain-dead man went in one moment, because if you're going to sew something together, tie on your naked body, it should not be a fig leaf. <laughs> if you have ever picked figs, if you've ever been around fig tree, why would they sew fig leaves together? I mean, come on, folks. It's bound to have been something else around there that you could have used than a fig leaf. Anyway. It shows you how this completely brain dead they went at that moment. So then it says, then the Lord called to Adam. And he said, where are you? Well, let me back up verse eight. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the cool of the, uh, of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of God among the trees in the, of the garden. And the Lord called out to Adam and said, where are you? Do you think God didn't know? How many times did you have you played hide and seek with your children when they were small and they're standing right there? They're right behind the couch. You know, they're behind the couch. You can see their feet sticking out and you walk around the house and say, where are you? I can't find you. Where did you go? Oh, you've hidden good. They're still right there. You know it. That's what God was doing with them. You can't tell me he didn't know that they were over there under the tree and everything that had gone on and taken place. God's doing like that. He walks in there and he's trying to what a point I want you to see here is God walks in there and is behaving towards Adam and Eve as his children, right, that are in trouble. They've done something wrong. He didn't come into the garden and say, I've had enough, you no good for nothing. I'm going to knock a knot on your head with a rope. You know, he didn't say nothing, right? He came in there looking for, where are you? Where are you? He's wanting to have fellowship. God has always been wanting to have fellowship with mankind since the fall of the garden. See, the world today thinks God's mad at them. And he's trying to get them and he's trying to hurt them. But the truth of the matter is God has been trying to have fellowship with man since that fellowship got broken in the garden. God wants to love everybody. He wants to pour his love out on everybody. But, but the world gets, gets crazy because of the enemy, the devil, putting thoughts in people's head. They, they stay away from God. They think God's not going to be loving. He's not going to be caring. He's not going to want to have a, a relationship with them. And so they stay away from him. They hide. And God's still crying out today, where are you? Where are you? So from that point, God, God already had a plan. 
because he's God. Look at this. He goes on down there, and they, they have their conversation. He says, uh, verse 11, he said, Who told you you were naked and have eaten of the tree that I command you not to eat? And so then he talks to the woman, and he says that she blames it on the devil, and the man blames it on the woman, and everybody's pointing fingers at everybody. But it's standing in the garden like God wouldn't know. And saying, he made me do it. And she, well, she made me do it. Everybody's trying to get it off of him. So he says in verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, the devil, because you've done this, you're cursed in more than all the cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Now, if you notice there, that word seed is capitalized. In other words, God already had a plan. He said, look, I have got to get back in relationship with man. Isn't it funny how somebody does you wrong and the last thing you're thinking about is how can I restore my fellowship with them? Isn't most of the time when we do something wrong or somebody does something wrong to us, our first thought is how can we get even or be justified? And God's sitting here, man has just violated covenant with God Almighty, and then what does he do? He turns around and he says, look, I, I want to figure out how I can get back in relationship with man. So he comes up with this, with this plan. He already has it there. It's not being revealed to everybody. It's not obvious until you're looking at it, it's already happened. He says, I'm going to put enmity between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Right there, God came up with a concept about Christmas. Let me show you. Let me go on here. Go over now to the book of Isaiah 7. God got this idea. He see, already had the idea, the idea of Christmas, the day that the curse took place in the garden. He said, I've got it figured out. Isaiah caught wind of this and prophesied it in Isaiah 7.14. He said, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and she'll bear a son and, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, I'm just, I don't know why Isaiah hadn't met him yet. But, I mean, here's this prophet, he's prophesying, he comes out and he prophesies. And I just kind of think he said, what? Because he didn't, it was, even in the Old Testament, you read through in all the places that they were talking about the Messiah is coming and Jesus is coming and his name would be called Jesus or that's what Emmanuel means. He was, you know, all these things that they were prophesying, they still didn't have the full picture of what was happening. It's only now when we can take all the scriptures, put them all together and start to look backwards, can we see, oh, look at the plan of God, doom, 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 just bringing this all to pass. Look over at Isaiah 9, verse 6. Another glimpse into what was going to come Christmas Day. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace there should be no end. Upon the thrones of David and over his kingdom to, and, uh, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forevermore. And the zittle of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He said, man, this, he said, something's happened. Something's going to happen. Isaiah's prophesying, something's going to happen. He's going to come in here and the son's going to be born and he's going to be Emmanuel. He's going to be Jesus. 
And he's going to come into the world, and the world's going to sit upon his shoulders. Now think back, all the way back to Genesis, he said, he's going to bruise your head. This seed coming is going to bruise your head. Already back in the garden, he was thinking about what was going to happen. And now Isaiah's beginning to prophesy about it. Go to Ezekiel 36. Look at Ezekiel 36, verse 24. Another insight into what God was going to do on Christmas. For I'll take from you among the nations and gather you out of all the countries and bring, into your, bring you into your own land. Then I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. Again, a promise coming about. God said, I'm going to have fellowship with you again. And matter of fact, it's going to get to where I'm going to have to figure out this way. To where you will have such fellowship with me. And I will cleanse you of your sins so you become the temple of God and that my spirit will live and dwell in you. And then, therefore, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. You see, folks, listen to me. There's never been as great a plan plan as Christmas ever brought about on the face of the earth except what God did. Started in the garden. What, What thousands of years have gone about. Coming about, bringing about, trying to get this whole point to come out to Jesus to be born in a manger, to fulfill the scriptures, to be the Son of God, so that he could have relationship and fellowship back with man. Just going on forever. So why would the enemy want to get rid of Christmas, this true spirit of Christmas? Because it's 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 the proclamation of his defeat. So let's turn it into Santa Claus. Let's turn it into commercial everything. Let's try to get it away from what was really happening. Let's try to try to take it all away and get it and, and demean it so it's not anything. Because it's I mean, do, do any of you like to you know really proclaim your defeats? Well, the devil sure didn't want this one. This is his downfall. For years, God had outsmarted him. For years, every time going on, God was always a, a step ahead and outsmarting him, making a pro- proclaim. And I guarantee you, when Isaiah prophesied, the devil's ears perked up and said, what now? What's going to happen? A child, what? I mean, literally every, every child was killed to try to stop Jesus in a whole town. But God had this plan. He said, man, I want to fellowship with my people. I am going to have a personal relationship with people through Jesus. Okay? But you got to understand something. Now, I want to show you this, and I'm going to have to preach on about this later. But I'm just going to touch on it today because it's just too good. I got all excited about this. Preached to my wife three days over this one. <laughs> I want to go backwards again. Go to Genesis chapter 8. I'm going to show you the simplicity of what God was going to do and how you can have Jesus more alive in your life today than ever before. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. After after the flood had taken place on the earth, 
God gave Noah a promise. And he said, from now on, this is always going to happen. Verse 22 says, while the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. I find it interesting that I understand that there, God's saying there's going to be seasons, you know, hot and cold, winter and summer, fall, spring, you know, we're going to have seasons. I understand God saying there's going to be a sun and a moon, stars, everything's going to keep rotating. I can understand that. But it strikes me interesting that God says there's another force. I mean, like nobody's going to stop the sun from rising. Are you all with me? I mean, I, I promise you, I will prophesy this. In the morning, the sun shall rise. And I'll prophesy this, at night, the moon will rise. It's there whether we see it or not. Y'all with me? It's going to happen. I can tell you and prophesy we will have a colder day, day than today. But then I can tell you that spring will come, right? And you know, he said, well, Robert, you're not prophesying nothing. We know that. It's going to happen. Y'all are going to be complaining in August. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Are you with me? God says that cycles keep going, but then he throws in there seed time and harvest. And that strikes me odd. He says it's going to be a continual principle on the face of this earth that as you sow seeds, they're going to produce. The ground will not be sterile. Seeds will always produce. You put it in the ground it will grow a plant, right? Now, nobody, nobody plants wheat and expects corn to grow, right? Nobody plants corn and expects to get a watermelon crop. Am I right? I mean, if you went to the seed store and you got all the little packs of seed and you said, oh, okra. Now, if I plant this okra seed, will I get okra? You're right. Nobody's going to do that because you know that whatever's on the seed package, you're probably going to get. Now, they may have some bad seed that got in there and it'll produce or something, you know, grow a weed, but that's another preaching. You follow me. What you plant, you know you're going to get. You don't just randomly put seed down and expect just to get something else, right? So it is. How many of you, if you went in, you know, like right now, department stores, stores and businesses are crowded with shoppers. God spared me yesterday. I had to go to San Antonio yesterday. I thought I'd celebrate. I'm telling my secrets here. I'm telling my dirties here. When I came through Casterville, I thought, you know, I'm going to stop at Habe's Bakery. I'm going to go in there and go nuts. I've been stressed all day. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to buy two dozen donuts and a bunch of lemon twist. I'm going to load up. I'm going to take them to the house, eat them till I get sick. That was my thinking. And I got there and God saved me because the parking lot was so full. There was literally no place to park. And I, I, that, that irritated me more than whatever. And I drove on past and 
I was delivered. But I just had one of those moments, you know, I just was like, I'm going for it. I'm just going to go for it. But I know that if I sow into my system something my system don't want, I know what I'm going to reap. Hello? If I walked into a department store, one of the crowded places, and I was ugly to the people around me, you know what I'm going to reap? A bunch of ugly back. Okay? My point is, is that God said, I'm going to put it into, into, into a process on this earth that whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Now, that doesn't seem to fit into the Christmas story until... You go read Galatians chapter 3, verse 15. He said, now, preacher, how are you going to twist this whole message all around and get it back on Christmas when you're talking about seed time and harvest? Let me show you. Galatians 3, 15. He says, brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is not only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed and no one annuls or adds on to it. Now, to Abraham... And his seed, you know, that's a capital S again, were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, little s, as many but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Your seed, who is Christ. God Almighty, from the beginning of the garden, had in mind that he would sow his son and reap a world of sons. He would sow his son for the sins of the world, and in so, he would reap a relationship with the whole world restored. The devil didn't catch it. The devil didn't understand what was going to go on. So we read Luke chapter 2, and we have to understand something. The birth of Christ was the seed of God coming into this world and being planted in this world in humanity. When Jesus was lying in the manger, he was the seed being planted to reap the harvest of the world. So how much do we have to rejoice when we celebrate Christmas and the birth of Christ? It was the seed coming into the world. It was the, the, the now, the, don't y'all, y'all all know, Isaiah also told us that the word of God never can be stopped. Once the word of God goes forth, it's going to complete. So God said, when Jesus was born, he's lying in the manger. God said, he looked down from heaven and said, it's done. I planted the word. Gospel of John chapter 1 says, Jesus was the Word of God. So he planted Jesus on earth through Mary, through all this deal out in the manger. And by the way, don't, don't get mad at the innkeeper. It wasn't his fault he didn't have a room for it. Always kind of felt sorry for the innkeeper. I think he gets a bad rap. Everybody always makes the innkeeper to be out like a mad, bad guy. And, you know, get here, get out there. And he had to say, he just, the, 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 the inn was full. And there was Jesus in the manger with some rest of the livestock. And the 
manger is just a feed trough. Okay, that's a feed trough is what it was. The manger was not a baby crib, right? It was the feed trough. They put some hay in there. Can y'all, can, ladies, ladies, can y'all imagine that? Having a child out in the barn? I mean, I, I was panicking in the middle of the hospital with everything nice and sterile. And you're out there, and then you take your baby, and you wrap him up, and you just put him in the feed trough? Cows around everywhere, swishing their tails and stinky sheep. <laughs> Joseph, get the sheep away from the baby. <laughs> right? Cows over there nudging them. Probably was a dog in the mix of it somewhere, running around trying to lick the baby or something. It looked so innocent. It looked like, actually, it didn't look like Jesus could live, right? Like he wasn't going to make it. The devil wasn't too concerned at what was going on. And then he, I'm telling you, right then is the very first time that the devil got a glimpse of what he had prophesied over in Genesis about crushing his head. Because all of a sudden, the devil knew if angels, a multitude were singing out in manifestation where humans could see them. He knew that took place. And so I just, I, I see it like, you know, I, I mean, I got a big wild imagination. So y'all just had to give me this one. Okay. It may not have been anything like this, but I see like, you know, like, like it, he, the devil's just kind of like sitting around with his feet propped up, smoking a big old fat cigar with all his little demons around him. And he's just laughing because he's like got it all done. He's just kind of kicked back, thinks at all this. And all of a sudden, you know, you know, sector 42, we have a multitude of angels that are just manifest. <laughs> and then they go to freaking out, sending demons, what's going on? They're all looking over the hill saying, goodness gracious, look at all the angels over there. What's taking place? And he's like freaking out, running around. What's going on? What's going on? God's doing something. He's pulling something. I thought I had it. I thought I had them licked. And he said, I don't know, it's something over there in that old barn over there. It's something in that manger. It's a baby. And then all of a sudden, I think the devil's like, uh-oh, wait a minute. Because, you know, the devil quoted scripture, Jesus. He's no dummy. So then I think the devil kind of sat back and said, oh, wait a minute. Isaiah said that there was something coming. We didn't really understand that. And <gasps> hurry up. Get out there and talk to them. We got to kill all the children in the town. We got to do whatever we can do to get rid of the kid. We got to kill the seed. We can't have the seed grow. But God was sitting back saying, It's already been done. I already have planted the seed. And because I've planted the seed, He's my word and He's my promise to the people that we're going to have restored fellowship that I'm going to come into people and they're going to be born again and they're going to come to know me and I'm going to have a relationship with them and that's the end of it. It's already been done and the devil can't stop it because the seed's been planted. Jesus tells a story in Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower, right? He says the sower goes out and he sows the word. He sows the word. And the word's going to go out and it's going to fall in different places. But the only thing that makes a difference of the production of the seed is what kind of ground it falls on. So it's not ever the seed's fault. It's the quality of the ground that the seed falls on that makes a difference. If it falls on hard ground, there's not going to be much 
production from it. And today the world seems to be hardening their hearts more and more and more and more. And what that tells me is that's less and less seed production. But then on the other hand, folks, I want to tell you all this morning, there are good things going on in the world. We hear a lot of bad, but I want you to know there are good things going on in the world. There are people being blessed and saved and healed. I mean, right there, we see in Casa Angelina, children being rescued, uh, widows being rescued, things taking place, orphanages around the world, helping people and helping children. There's good things going on, folks. Don't let the world sell you that it's all bad and going downhill. All right? There's still other Christian people out there. We are not the only ones left. You don't want to get the Elijah syndrome on you where you're saying, Lord, there's only me. Just kill me and take me home because there's nothing else on this earth. And he's like, shut up. Get up on the mountain. I want to bless you. I got 7,000 more you don't even know about. But we get like that sometimes, right? We get to listen to too much news. We get to go on like this. And next thing you know, you're just like Elijah sitting underneath a juniper tree, a cedar tree. So that's a Again, somebody didn't have good sense. <laughs> Sitting under a cedar tree just saying, you might as well kill me. I'm the only one left. That's the Elijah syndrome. That's what happens to you. And I'm here today to tell you that there's good things going on. There are blessings going on. People are being touched and blessed, and we're a part of a great move of God on the face of the earth today. Amen? Amen. Look at the person beside you and say, way to go. You're doing good. So Jesus coming about on the face of the earth was God sowing the seed into this earth to make a way for you and I to have a relationship with him. That's what it's all about. That's what Christmas is all about. God fulfilling his promise from Genesis chapter 3. Amen? So don't go get caught up in all the hoopla. Don't forget what it's all about. Don't forget what we have to rejoice for over, that we can jump up and down, shout hallelujah, that God's plan came to pass, and that Jesus paid the price for each and every one of us to have that relationship. God knew he would sow Jesus, but you got to understand the death of Jesus on the cross and then the resurrection was all a part of the plan for he to pay the price for all of us so that we could rejoice. But this Christmas was the seed being planted. Amen? Amen. So I, I just, I just want to look at just one more quick thing here. Go to Matthew chapter 1. I want to look at one more thing, and then I'm closing, and we're going to go pray for a reduction of calories and bodies to function in total perfection to be able to consume sugar. That evil shall not touch us. <laughs> Verse 18, Matthew 1.18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was mindful to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto, to, to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is 
conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The seed that was planted was of the Holy Spirit. And he shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with a child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. The seed was planted to bring it all to pass. Mary looked at Gabriel when he told her this, and she did not doubt him, but she said, how's this going to be? Now, here's, the, here's what I'm finishing on. She said, how's this going to be? You may be sitting here this morning saying, well, preacher, that's all nice and that's all sweet, but how's it going to apply to my life? The angel told her, said, look, the Holy Spirit's going to do the work. All you got to be doing is be willing. So what I'm saying to you, some of you all may be in impossible situations today. You may be looking at things that just looked horrible. The whole thing, you can't, you can't see your way through it. But let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit can. Your job is to be willing. Are you going to be willing to carry the seed in you that can birth about whatever needs to take place to create the miracle in your life? Amen? So I want, you to remind, I want to remind you of that, and I want you to keep that in your remembrance. Are you willing? Think of it like this. When God walked through the garden and he kept calling for Adam and saying, where are you? Where are you? He's calling for you today, and all you got to do is be willing. And the Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, put your Bibles up and stand to your feet if you would. Are you all doing a, 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 a song at the end? Have all the song singers come up? Sing songers? Now what I want to do, I want to pray over everyone here, all your family, all what y'all are going to. I want to bless you. I want you to go out and have a great Christmas. I want you today, when I'm praying this prayer, if you feel like you're under pressure, I want you to feel some of the pressure come off. I want it to be like a balloon. That's going, and let the Holy Spirit take care of it in your life. Realize the seed's been planted in you. And then grab it and go from there. Amen? Amen? So take the hand of that person beside you. Father, I declare right now in Jesus' name that we hear your word to us today that Jesus was the seed that came into the world. And Lord, we like Mary stand here today and say, Lord, we don't know how to figure it out. We don't know how to make it happen. But I just thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon each of us, Lord, plant the seed within us so that we can go forth into this world and conquer whatever it needs to be. Lord, I speak blessings over the people. I speak blessings over their Christmas. I speak blessing over their family. Lord, if there's anybody that has family members who don't know you, Jesus, that this would be their year, this would be their day, that they would be touched by the Spirit of God, that, Lord, you would bless them and put such an anointing on each and every one of us that, that everywhere we are and everybody that we're around, Lord, would just the anointing would splash off of us, get on them, and, Lord, they would come to know you, Jesus. Lord, let your hand of peace be upon us. Peace be upon our families in this season. And Lord, I just declare right now that anyone under pressure, that that pressure is just released. 
that today they feel the peace and the love of God and know that, Holy Spirit, you have got it all under control right now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.